We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 10, Doctrine and Covenants 20 through 22, The Rise of the Church of Christ. We're sitting at March 1st through 7th. I tried recording this, oh, multiple times already. And it, like the first time I recorded, there was like a buzzing noise. And then I tried to record it, like re-record. And my kids just <laughs> were having a rough day. So third time's the charm, right? Hopefully that or there's something that some experience I was meant to have. Or maybe just a, a thought that maybe occurred to me in between now and then that I'm supposed to share. We'll see. But. I feel really strongly that the Lord is with me when I do this and um, I feel the spirit and I have really appreciated the knowledge that I've gained and the spirit and the revelation that I receive my personal, just personally in my life and I feel so much closer to my Heavenly Father and so... Even though I have <laughs> frustrations with um, recording and different things, I am so, I still am excited about this podcast and grateful for the opportunity that I have, I guess, graphs for myself. <laughs> um, so, as I have been studying about the rise of the Church of Christ, I was thinking about the word rise and what that means. Um, If you look it up in the dictionary, it says an upward movement or an instance of becoming higher. Um, There's another definition also says an increase in amount, extent, size, or number. And I started thinking about how that applies to the church in this instance. Have you thought about what that could be? (laughs) Um, I was thinking about, um, you know, like when bread rises, it's... You know, the, the preparation is part of the beginning stages when you're making bread. It has to rise. And it expands and fills the space that it's meant to be in and um, kind of takes over a little bit <laughs> if you let it rise too much. Um, but I was also thinking about, you know, good old-fashioned barn raising and the things that go into that. I love that idea because there's a foundation before you build any buildings you need to have a foundation first and the foundations that the lord laid before the church was able to rise is the bringing forth of the book of mormon and restoring the priesthood and he was preparing joseph smith to lead this work and to be the prophet i'm grateful to be able to study this and to see the growth of Joseph over the 10 years that it took between the first vision and when he was able to organize the church. It's a beautiful progression of um, his, his, his growth and um, it's, it's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about um, section 20 is revelation given about the church organization it was originally called the articles of 
Articles and Covenants. And it was probably recorded um, the summer before the church was organized, so in 1829. So the prophet wrote that... um, that Jesus Christ, um, it says, we obtained of him the following by the spirit of prophecy and revelation, which not only gave us much information, but also pointed out to us the precise day upon which, according to his will and commandment, we should proceed to organize his church once more here upon the earth. And then, um, just a little bit more information about section 20. It was introduced as a rev- revelation on the church organization and government, but before anything was laid out about the organization of the church, the Lord revealed fundamental doctrine. He goes over the importance of b- the Book of Mormon and its role and how it came about. And he reaffirms that Joseph, you know, um, was called of God. I love in there, he talks about... Um, Let me pull it up because I just really like the way in section 20 that it talks about him. Um, It says, so he's calling him the first elder because earlier um, he, so up in, in verse two, it says Joseph Smith Jr. who was called of God and ordained an apostle of Jesus Christ to be the first elder of this church. So now, then down in five, it says, After it was truly manifested unto this first elder that he had received remission of his sins, he was entangled again in the vanities of the world. But after repenting and humbling himself sincerely through faith, God ministered unto him by an holy angel, whose countenance was lightning and whose garments were pure and white above all whiteness, and gave unto him commandments which inspired him, and gave him power from on high by the means which were prepared to translate the Book of Mormon. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord summarizes the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and um, confirms that you know, Joseph Smith had the power to do so. Um, he also, in verses 17 through 19, talks about the nature of God. And then in verses 20 through 27, he talks about the atonement of Jesus Christ. So in the Individuals and Families Manual, so I think this is important for all of us to think about. It says, why would these truths be important to emphasize as the church was being established? And it kind of goes back to me thinking about the foundation of this building that is coming forth, right? If we were building a building, in this beautiful analogy I have, you have to have the foundation first. And the Lord lays out his foundation, which is the Book of Mormon, the nature of God, and the atonement of Jesus Christ. That is what it all rests upon. If we don't believe those things, then it will fall. Our testimony in the church will fall. And so think about that as you're, as you're going through this and teaching your children. Think about these little baby testimonies that we're helping nurture. And think about what they need to be founded upon. Help them understand. And I hope you show your love for our Heavenly Father, and your gratitude for Jesus Christ and His Atonement, and that you share your witness of the Book of Mormon with your children so that they feel that and they can see that those are the most important things that they can develop a testimony of as well. All right, moving on to section 21, 
uh, the background there. So the section 21 is the revelation given at the organization of the church on April 6, 1830. So there were six men there um, in the Peter Whitmer home. And so the, these men had already been baptized and they had decided to get together to create the church, which was, you know, um, part of the organ, how a church would be organized by unanimous vote. These persons expressed their desire and determination to organize according to the commandment of God. They also voted to accept and sustain Joseph Smith Jr. and Oliver Cowdery as the presiding officers of the church. With the laying on of hands, Joseph then ordained Oliver an elder of the church, and Oliver similarly ordained Joseph. After administration of the sacrament, Joseph and Oliver laid hands on the, upon the participants individually for the bestowal of the Holy Ghost and for the confirmation of each member as a member of the church. Now, there were six people that were members of the church, but there were like 40 people packed into that room because they were excited to see and, and to witness the organization of the church. All right, so the first section that we're going to go over is the restoration of the church and how to teach that to the kids. So for the older kids, you can remind them of the events that came before the restoration of the church. So you can talk about what they remember about the Book of Mormon and the priesthood, or you could even just ask them, like, what things have we been learning about? And see if they remember the things that happened. Um, and then talk about why those had to come first. You can, you know, why didn't the Lord just reorganize the church back, you know, the first day when Joseph got the first vision? Why, why did we have to take 10 years to go through this process before the church could be organized? And then if you want to um, teach the background to the kids, you can use the section heading for um, Doctrine and Covenants 21, or you can go to the Doctrine and Covenants stories book and read chapter 9. There's also a video on the church's website that is fun, uh, for me at least. I like them because they, they bring it to life. Um, my kids, it doesn't hold their attention as well, <laughs> but... It's, you can still use pieces of it, maybe split it up over a couple days um, if you're going to use that for really little kids. Um, something else um, that's really good to kind of get our kids thinking about things is um, it's good to tell the kids why we you are thankful to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and talk about the blessings that you've seen. Um, because the church is organized or the blessings that you've seen because you're a member of the church. And then um, it's also important to explain that becoming a member of the church is part of um, returning to our Heavenly Father. It helps us return to Him because of the ordinances that we can partake of in the church. Um, in the Individuals and Families Manual, it suggests a talk by Elder D. Todd Christofferson called Why the Church. And this talk was so good. I was so excited. I wanted to quote so much of it, but I will try to restrain myself. So I'm going to read a little bit because I think it's important to think about this and why it's important to belong to this church. It says, It is worth pausing to consider why he chooses to use a church. 
his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to carry out his and his Father's work to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. How does his church accomplish the Lord's purposes? It is important to recognize that God's ultimate purpose is our progress. His desire is that we continue from grace to grace until we receive a fullness of all he can give. That requires more than simply being nice or feeling spiritual. It requires faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism of water and of the Spirit, and enduring in faith to the end. One cannot fully achieve this in isolation. So a major reason the Lord has a church is to create a community of saints that will sustain one another in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. We do not strive for conversion to the church, but to Christ and his gospel, a conversion that is facilitated by the church. The Book of Mormon expresses it best when it says that the people were converted unto the Lord and were united unto the church of Christ. I love when other people um, say what I want to say, but they say it so much better. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. I really um, felt the Spirit really strongly when I was reading that talk, and um, I think it's it's important to really think about that because I see so many people and friends of mine who still have testimonies of you know God and and even some of them that still have testimonies of the Book of Mormon, but they choose not to associate themselves with the church anymore. And it breaks my heart because I feel like they're missing out. I know that they're missing out on the blessings that come from being a member of this church. It's a community. We help each other. But also as part of being part of the church, we partake of sacred ordinances here and we renew our covenants through the sacrament. And it's it enables us to to work towards perfection as we unite together and try to help each other. Um, all right, so something that would be fun to do with your kids is to teach them the song, I Belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You, If you don't feel comfortable singing it, you could just teach your kids that phrase and uh, help them understand what that means. And... Um, so something we can do for the older kids um, and even the younger kids if you want to do something similar but maybe adapt it a little bit for their ability levels. It says to display pictures of things that we can do in the church, that uh, especially things that are described in section 20. And it lists things like learning about God and Jesus, ministering, blessing babies, baptizing, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and partaking of the sacrament. Those are just some ideas of things that you can, uh, of pictures that you can gather. And then it says to have the kids match the pictures with the scriptures that describe what those are from section 20. Um, if you want to do this with younger kids, you can just, you know, say, all right, we're going to read these scriptures and can you point to the picture that it's talking about? Or you could even say, because we belong to the church, we get to learn about Jesus. Can you show me a picture of someone learning about Jesus? That would be really, really simple for these cute little, you know, sunbeam and four-year-olds and things like that. All right, the next section. I am preparing to be baptized for the little kids and for the older kids. When I was baptized, I promised to follow Jesus Christ. 
And I love what the manual said for the younger kids. It said, the children you teach are preparing to be baptized. Help them understand what it means to be baptized and what they can do to be ready. And then for the older kids, it says, many of the children in your class have been baptized. Remind them of the covenant they made to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ. I have another special guest that I want to include. I um, interviewed my son, who is getting baptized this year. And it was fun to kind of do the lesson with him and record it. And hopefully you will gain something from my conversation with him or possibly get some ideas of what you can do with your family to talk about baptism. So, Weston, what's happening this year? How old are, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Eight. Why is that exciting? Because I'll get baptized three week, weeks later. Okay, so why is it important to get baptized? Because all your sins will get washed away. Did you know that it's a commandment to get baptized? Yes. Why do you think Heavenly Father commanded us to get baptized? Because our sins will wash away and will be really good most of the time. Yeah, you think that after you get baptized, you're going to be better at choosing the right? Yeah. <laughs> um, who, did you know that Jesus got baptized? Yes. Yeah. Did he have to get baptized? Yes. Why did he have to get baptized? Did he have sins? No. Did he have to get his sins washed away? No. So why did he have to get baptized? To show us that... We need to get baptized. Yeah, he was the So example, we can huh? follow him. You're right. So what are things that you can do right now, Weston, to get prepare to get baptized? Be nice to my siblings. That's good. Can you think of other things you can do to get ready to get baptized? When we get baptized, we promise to help and do to act like Heavenly Father wants us to act towards other well, people, right? What if I, what if I, how about um, listening to my mom and dad? That's a good one. All right, so this is what you promise to do when you're baptized. This is from Mosiah chapter 18, verse 9. It says, Yay. And are willing to mourn with those that mourn, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God at all times what and does in all mourn things. Mean? What? Mourn? Yeah. Oh, that means like if somebody's sad, you can be sad with them, right? Yeah. So, like, it's not that, like, you're like, okay, let's both cry together, but like, you try to help them, right? Like, usually when we talk about mourning, it's more than just being sad about something. Sometimes it's like, when somebody dies, right? Remember when, when my grandpa died? We went and we gave grandma hugs, huh? And you gave mommy hugs because mommy was sad that grandpa died. That's how we mourn with people that mourn because we're, we're trying to show them that we love them and that we understand that they're sad. Okay, that's a good question, Winston. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, And comfort those that stand in need of comfort and stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that ye may be in. Do you know what it means to be a witness of God? Be like God? 
you can try to be like Jesus, right? That's part of what you're doing when you get baptized is you're going to take his name on you. Okay? And it says that ye may be redeemed of God and be numbered with those of the first resurrection that ye may have eternal life. And then down here it says in verse 10, it says, Baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness before him that you have entered into a covenant with him, that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. Did you know that when you make those... Do you know what a covenant is? A covenant is a promise. It's a special promise that it goes two ways. So Heavenly Father makes a covenant or a promise to us, and we make a promise back to Heavenly Father. And so Heavenly Father promises that we can have the Spirit to be with us. And He also, when we get baptized, our sins are washed away, right? And so when we get baptized, we promise to keep the commandments and to serve Heavenly Father. So taking care of people around us, that's part of it, huh? Yeah. All right, so can you think of any other things we can do to prepare for you to get baptized? What things can Weston do to get ready to get baptized? Help my friends and family. Mm-hmm. That's good. You could practice getting, or practice repenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be good too, huh? All right. What if be, being really good when it's time for bed, or when it's time to go to church? That is really good, yeah. So part of why we go to church, what do we do every week at church? Have the sacrament? Yeah, that's why we go to church. Um, that's why mom and dad especially, because the sacrament is important. After you get baptized, when you take the sacrament, you're renewing your covenant. Do you know what it means to renew? No. It means to like make the covenant again. So just like when you got baptized, you make a promise to Heavenly Father that you're going to keep the commandments and do your best to act like Jesus, right? And Heavenly Father's promising to take your sins away and give you the Spirit, right? So we make that promise again every week when we take the sacrament. So after you get baptized, it's important for you to come to church and to take the sacrament so you can renew your covenant. Do you know when Mommy got baptized? I got baptized um, in July. So my birthday was in June and I got baptized in July. And I was so excited to get baptized. And my mom made me a special white dress. And it matched my sister because I had a baby sister. So it was Joy. So grandma made us both matching dresses. And Joy got blessed the same day that I got baptized. Is that cool? That we had little matching dresses? She was a little baby. And so the day I got baptized, my grandma... She came over to my house, and she took me, and we went and got a special lunch to celebrate that I was getting baptized. And she bought me my very own set of scriptures. And then we went, I went home, and I got ready for my baptism. And I felt bad because I knocked over one of my mom's decorations, and it got broken. And I knew that it was really important for me to start practicing choosing the right. So I went, and I told my mom that I broke her statue. And she was so proud of me that I chose the right and told her the truth. And then we went to the church, and I went to, there's a special place where I went, and I got 
my white clothes that I wore when I got baptized. You wear, they have a special suit that you put your legs in and put your arms in, and then it zips up the front. And I got that suit, and we went in the bathroom, and I changed out of my white dress, and I put on the white suit, and then I went with Grandpa, because Grandpa baptized me. Grandpa put on a white suit, too, that looked just like mine, so we were matching. And we went into the chapel, and we waited for all my family to come, all my cousins, and everybody came to my baptism. And we waited, and there were some talks, and we sang songs about baptism and stuff. And then we got to go. We got to take turns going into a special room in the church where the baptismal font is. And all the family sat in the room, and they opened doors that looked down into kind of looks like a big bathtub or a big or a really small pool. But it's just big enough for you to stand in, so the water's probably going to come up to your chest, and it's warm. You're going to go with Dad over to the bathrooms at the church and in the bathroom there's a special door that has stairs that go down into the water so you and dad are going to go in there and you're going to go down the stairs and dad will hold your hand like this he'll put his hand around your wrist and hold your, his hand like to a square his right hand will be up in the square and his other hand he'll be holding your hand and then you can hold on to his arm like this here I'll show you on your arm Okay, so if I were going to baptize you, I would be holding this arm like this, and I'd have this hand ready to baptize you. Actually, when I put you down into the water, you're going to hold this arm, okay? So this arm would probably go behind you, and you can hold this arm, and then with this hand, You're going to plug your nose. So I'd probably hold it just like that. Okay? And then you'd go into the water and come back out. And when you come out, you're done. You've been baptized. And your sins are washed away. And then you'll go back into the bathroom with Dad. And you'll put your clothes back on. Just like Mommy did. Mommy went in the bathroom. You want to hear a funny story about my baptism? What? I forgot to bring a change of underwear. So I wore some underwear to get baptized, but then when I got out, my underwear was wet. And I didn't have any new underwear to wear. <laughs> you had to wear wet underwear until you got home. I, I don't remember if I wore my wet underwear or if I didn't wear any underwear under my dress. But, yeah, it was silly that we forgot. So when I, Mommy is in my head. I'm like, we're not going to let anybody forget their underwear. <laughs> And so we went the back in, and I put on my pretty pretty dress, and Grandma combed my hair and put it back in a ponytail or a braid or something. And then we went into a different room, and Grandpa and my, uh, my grandpas and my uncles came, and they put their hands on my head. They all put one hand on their head and then had their other hand as part of the circle. Have you seen when they do that? Yeah, they all like, like on to, Hiram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they put their hands on each other's shoulders, and they gave me what? What do you get after you get baptized? The priest. No, you don't get the priesthood. You get what? The Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost. Yep. And so I got the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I got confirmed a member of the church. So that's when you become a member of the church, and you take Jesus's name on you. So you promise to act like Jesus. All right.
Um, some other ideas of things you can do to teach your kid about baptism is to invite someone else who's been baptized. So if you have older children that have already been baptized or you yourself or cousins or grandparents or someone that the kids look up to or um, you just think it would be a good idea to invite them, you can pray about it. <laughs> um, invite them to come and share about their baptism. They can share pictures. They can share if they have like um, their baptism dress still. I know I have mine somewhere. I think maybe actually it's at my mom's house, but you could share things like that um, and tell the story of a baptism. So whether it be yours or whoever, so they can tell their story and help talk about how you felt. So reminisce how you felt when you were baptized um, or... Um, explain what it means to be baptized to these little ones who are someday going to get baptized. So here's some ideas if um, to find someone. Um, you could uh, Zoom call with a family member if there's no one around or if you know if you think it would be fun for your kid to talk to someone that maybe doesn't live close to you that you'd like to um, have them share about their baptism. There's also um, in the gospel art book, there's a picture of a child being baptized, and you can use that picture. So those are things that could help you teach about baptism to your child. Um, and then we should testify that we follow the Savior's example, and that we're baptized the same way he was baptized, because we were commanded to do so. Alright, and then something else you could do is talk about how they can prepare for baptism right now. Um, I did this a little bit with Weston, but some other ideas is you could show pictures or have them draw pictures of things they can do to prepare. So they could draw pictures of them serving others or saying their prayers, um, minding their parents, you know, the things that, um, you, the kids think of when you talk about how they can prepare now. You could also sing a song about baptism, like when I'm baptized or, you could watch the baptism of Jesus on in the Bible videos on the um, on the church's website, and then invite children to tell you how they think they're going to feel when they're baptized, and make sure the kids who've already been baptized have a chance to to share their experience and their feelings about being baptized. All right, next section is the sacrament helps me remember Jesus Christ. The question that the manual asks to the teachers, it says, how can you help the children better understand why we partake of the sacrament each week? I feel like this is something I have to remind myself of, even though, you know, it's been drilled into my head over the years. But in the situation, in the time of life that I'm in, sometimes, you know, have you had those feelings where you're like, why do I even go to church? Because I spend most of my time like with kids in the hall, crying, screaming, throwing fits. I chase babies around, you know, like I'm sure you all have had experiences like this. Like, why do I even go? I don't get anything out of it, but we still are there and we're partaking of the sacrament. We're renewing our covenants that we have made a baptism and we are making it a habit. When we stop going, it's so easy to never go again. And I promise that if you keep it up and you make it a regular habit in your life, your children will see 
that the church is important to you and they will see that the sacrament is important to you and that it's a sacred thing and that it is important to you that you are there. All right, so let's get into the the content for this section. So in Doctrine and Covenants section 20, verse 77 and 79, both of them are the sacrament prayers. So it says to read those with the kids and some of the things you can do to help them pay attention or to listen is you could have them stand when they hear the word remember or you could have them act out or like pretend like they're eating the bread when they talk about eating bread or drink when they um, if you read uh, verse 79 you could point out that if you read verse 79 it says wine so it might be good to point out that we actually drink water now instead of wine. Um, and then it says, how can we show that we remember Jesus? And I love the individuals and families suggestion. It says family members could find or draw pictures of things that help us remember the Savior during the sacrament. As appropriate, you might bring those pictures to your next sacrament meeting as a reminder of what to think about during the sacrament. I love that idea. Um, I think I've shared it on here before, but I got some of those little cards. They're like two by three. I th- they're pretty small, but just little cards. You can buy them in like a pack at, I bought them at um, Deseret Book, but they might be at like other distribution centers. You probably can find them at Siegel um, if you're looking, but just these little pack of pictures and I laminated them and poked a hole in them and put them on a ring. My kids look at those while we're, we're doing the sacrament. Hopefully I'm sitting a good, helping them develop habits to think about Jesus and make that an important part of the meeting. So for the older kids, it says, ask the children to identify the promises that we make during the sacrament. Um, help the children understand that there are things they can do every day to always remember Jesus Christ. You can have them act out something. You could like play charades <laughs> if you'd like. Um, you could also, um, have them draw things or, you know, like you could play like Pictionary or something like that. As you talk about these things, it's fun to, you know, mix it up and play a game as part of your lesson. This could be a fun family home evening lesson to talk about the promises we make and the blessings that we receive from the sacrament. Something else that's good to talk about is to talk about promises you could talk about promise, a uh, promise that you've made and kept and tell the kids to tell, you know, invite them to share stories of when they've made promises and when they've kept their promises and then explain that we make promises when we take the sacrament. Um, so we could read in verse 77, it says, we make the promise to always remember him and to keep his commandments. You could have the older kids compare verse 37 with 77, which um, verse 37 talks about baptism and the um, what is required of us to be baptized and the blessings that will come because of baptism. So I'm going to read that um, just so you know what I'm talking about. It says, And again, by way of commandment to the church concerning the manner of baptism, 
All those who humble themselves before God and desire to be baptized and come forth with broken hearts and contrite spirits and witness before the church that they have truly repented of all their sins and are willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end and truly manifest by their works that they have received the spirit of Christ unto the remission of their sins shall be received by baptism unto his church. So if you compare that with the sacrament prayers, we're talking about the things that stand out are witness or willing to take upon us the name of Jesus Christ. And we are promised to have the spirit um, to be with us. Another activity to do is we could show the children something that has a name on it, like a brand or like something that has your name on it. And could talk about what the name tells us about the item, like how that helps us understand what the item is or what it's for or who it's for. And then as you read verse 37, you talk about taking the name, taking Christ's name upon us when we're baptized. And you could talk about what that means. Why is, why is that, that important? And how should we act if we have Jesus's name on us? Um, you could also have the kids share time that they remembered the Savior or obeyed the commandment. Um... I really like in the Individuals and Families Manual for um, verse 69. Um, it says, what does it mean to walk in holiness before the Lord? And it says, it might be fun for family members to draw or write on pieces of paper some things that could help them walk in holiness or things that could distract them from doing so. When they could, Then they could create a path using the papers and try to walk on the path, stepping only on the drawings that would bring them to Christ. I love this because this is also encouraging us to keep the covenant that we made at baptism because we're trying to walk in holiness. And the way we walk in holiness is by keeping the commandments and trying to have the spirit in our lives and, you know, trying to remain spotless. I really like that um, idea of making a path. The church of Jesus Christ is led by a living prophet. So this is in verse 20 or section 21. Um, And we'll start, we're going to, I'm going to read you verses five and six. It says, for his word, ye shall receive as if from mine own mouth in all patience and faith. For by doing these things, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord will not, the Lord will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good. And his name's glory. Do you love that? Do you love the idea of when we follow the prophet and we, um, we receive his words in patience and faith, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. That is beautiful. I love that. And the Lord will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good. That's so, the wording is just full of power and meaning. And if we receive the word of God in our hearts and we have faith in what, in him as a prophet, those are the promises that we can receive from the Lord. All right. So I read some more, um, some talks and things about the priesthood and about keys and about authority. 
and I really liked some of the things that I read. Um, all right, this was a talk given by Elder Oaks in April of 2014. So he says, We are accustomed to thinking that all keys of the priesthood were conferred on Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple, but the scripture states that all that was conferred there were the keys of this dispensation. At General Conference many years ago, President Spencer W. Kimball reminded us that there are other priests of keys that have not been given to men on the earth, including the keys of creation and resurrection. I love that. I hadn't, I mean, I'm one of those people who says we're accustomed to thinking. I'm one of those people who's accustomed to thinking that we have all the keys on the earth right now, that President Nelson has all of the priesthood keys, but he does not. He does not have the keys of creation or the keys of resurrection. I also, um, Elder Oaks goes on to say, priesthood keys are the authority God has given to priesthood holders to direct, control, and govern the use of his priesthood on the earth. Every act or ordinance performed in the church is done under the direct or indirect authorization of one holding the keys for that function. As Elder M. Russell Ballard has explained, those who have priesthood keys literally make it possible for all who serve faithfully under the direction to exercise priesthood authority and have access to priesthood power. I love that. In an address to the Relief Society, President Joseph Fielding Smith who was president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at the time. He said, While the sisters have not been given the priesthood, it has not been conferred upon them. That does not mean that the Lord has not given them authority. A person may have authority given to him or a sister to her to do certain things in the church that are binding and absolutely necessary for our salvation, such as the work that our sisters do in the house of the Lord. They have authority given unto them to do some great and wonderful things, sacred unto the Lord, and binding just as thoroughly as are the blessings that are given by the men who hold the priesthood. In that notable address, President Smith said again and again that women have been given authority. To the women he said, You can speak with authority because the Lord has placed authority upon you. He also said that the Relief Society has been given power and authority to do a great many things. The work which they do is done by divine authority. And, of course, the church work done by women or men, whether in the temple or in the wards or branches, is done under the direction of those who hold priesthood keys. Thus, speaking of the Relief Society, President Smith explained, The Lord has given to them this great organization, where they have authority to serve under the directions of the bishops of the wards, looking after the interests of our people, both spiritually and temporally. Isn't that beautiful? I love... All of this with understanding the priesthood and the organization of the church and how the keys and the authority work together. I feel like for a long time I didn't understand how those things worked. And I'm grateful that I've taken the time and the effort to study. I know President Nelson has encouraged the women to study more about the priesthood and to understand it. And I know that as I study it more, I love it more. And I'm grateful for it. And I'm also realizing how much access I have to power in my own life because I've been endowed. I am endowed with power from my Heavenly Father. I have been able to be blessed from partaking of the sacrament every week. I'm grateful that I am able to go to the bishop and get a temple recommend or that we have the opportunity to go to him and repent if needed. I'm grateful that we are able to be baptized and sealed together as families. There's so many blessings that come because the priesthood has been restored and the church has been organized. The organization of the church is a beautiful thing and I'm grateful to be part of it.
I hope you have a great week as you study about the rise of the church and you appreciate what it means to be a member. Give thanks this week to our Heavenly Father for the organization and for a living prophet on the earth. Teach your kids that it is a happy thing to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love you. Ah, that's so cute.